Today on Radio Bypass, we are honored to be joined by a man who has brought us incredible music for decades and has been voted best rock bass player multiple times by the readers of Guitar Player Magazine. The one and only Billy Sheehan is here with us. How are you, Billy? I'm good, Ralph. Thanks for having me on. Ah, thanks for joining me. How, how you how you holding out during all this COVID stuff? I'm good. I, I got a. I'm I'm never home because I'm always on tour. So. Now I'm home. I'm getting all kinds of things done. <laughs> I got uh, my as a home handyman. I'm I'm on fire. It's pretty great. I'm I, 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 building stuff and fixing stuff and to, uh, having a blast here. Uh, when I first moved into our new home here in Nashville, I was on tour so much that I I didn't even see it for six months. Right. Matter of fact, I left I left our home in L.A. Went on tour. My wife sold the house, packed everything, moved it to Nashville set it all up so i left my home in la and came home to my my home in nashville wow. uh, while i was gone the whole thing went down so so it's nice to be home for once in a while it's the longest i think i've been off tour or or not performing in my life since i was maybe 17 <laughs> but so it's uh it's uh but i'm getting a lot done it's pretty cool i'm practicing bass a lot so well there you go there you go. So you're Nashville-based now, too. Man, everybody's moving there. I think that's the uh, L.A. Of, of today, isn't it? They're calling it the new L.A. Because the, uh, yeah. the music scene in L.A., sadly, is kind of is tough. It's, there's not many uh, places to play left. And uh, it's just not the scene that it was. When I went out there in 85, it was paradise. Right. Bands everywhere, clubs everywhere, gigs everywhere. Everybody got signed. Everybody had a record deal. It was amazing. But... Now, not so much, sadly, but uh, but here in Nashville, it's uh, quite alive. It's a great songwriter community. Yes. Uh, most of what we do is based on good songwriting, and that's a, that's a very strong point here. A lot of great players and a lot of genres. It used to be a countrified thing. I'm not a country guy. Right. God bless them. Good for you. If you are, I've, I'm your friend, but I'm sorry. It's just not my thing. <laughs> same so, same uh, with me. Yeah, but... Uh, you know, I uh, I respect it a lot, especially the bluegrass players. Pretty amazing stuff, but uh, it just just doesn't happen to be my thing. You know, just uh, but uh, but they're great players, wonderful people, and a great uh, sense of community here. And musicians watch out for each other. And I know some great, I've already met and hung and played and recorded with a, a great broad array of people on many uh, different genres. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So you've been there for how long now? It'll be three years October. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you miss, uh, in the wintertime, do you miss the L.A. weather, though? Uh, no. Well, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, so we know about uh, right. winter. <laughs> yes, you so do. So in L.A., it was, it was quite awesome to get up on Christmas morning and walk out in your underpants on a rooftop patio and lay in the sun for a while. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of what we were doing in Buffalo at that time of year. But, uh, yeah, L.A. was amazing. I miss a lot about it, but sadly, it's really falling apart. Not only a music scene, but also in many other ways, the crime and the homeless situation and the traffic sure. and the air pollution. It's uh, sad to see. I, I love L.A. and I still got so many dear friends there, but, you know, we don't. It's quite a different scene here in uh, Nashville. Very safe, very, very clean, very comfortable. People watch out for each other a lot very neighborly southern hospitality yeah. on display often you know it's very nice but uh, I, I still always have a soft spot in my heart for la because I, I i i went out there and my my career uh did, took quite a jump <laughs> i i can say yeah pretty nice 
Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm Chicago-based, and, and a lot of times my wife and I actually have talked many times about moving down toward Nashville um, for a lot of reasons. Everything you just stated, uh, cheaper property taxes. Um, so, yeah, we, we think about that quite often ourselves. Yeah, well, my wife's a real estate agent here, so if you ever no, <laughs> she's, she's hoped about uh, 10 people relocate here. Uh, from out of state, which was which is pretty cool because there's some, some things to uh, you know, a bit of a transition from one state to another. Right, she's an expert at that. So we're here for you. Okay, I'll, I'll, you'll be my first call if we really truly decide <laughs> to pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> right up. So 2020 obviously has been a weird year. Um, one of your bands, Sons of Apollo, had a record come out in January called 2020. Um, and I know you guys had a lot of tour touring plan behind that. Um, and I know you had a European leg that obviously had to get canceled. Has that been anything been rescheduled for you guys yet? It's been rescheduled and canceled again, rescheduled, canceled again, rescheduled and canceled again, because every time you, with the hopes that things will be better, you move about three, four, six months out and book something. And then as you get close to it, you find out that, nope, no, we're not going to be able to do it. So, so we did a we did a short run in the USA and it was very successful. We're very pleased about it, and the record was taken off, and the response to it was fantastic. So we were actually already planning to come back and do another full East Coast to West Coast USA uh, elaborate and deep tour after our European tour. But we got to Europe, got through to the fourth show, and things were looking worse and worse and worse. So we just had to. We had to stop and come back home, and oh, right so you, after that, all all hell broke So you were there when this kind of first started. Then you were over in Europe. Yeah, we were we were heading over while it was kicking up, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure if uh, I was kind of surprised we headed over at all uh, due to due to what was what was happening on the uh, in the on the scene uh, with right. uh, with the virus situation. But we got there. We were okay. We did. Uh, Two shows in Germany, great warm-up shows, and then we went to, uh, I think, Norway and Sweden, or Finland and Sweden. Then in Sweden, we were about to take off and go to the Ukraine and to Moscow. And I knew that if there was a problem flying back home, the Ukraine and Moscow would be kind of low on a priority list. Right. So if we had to get back home and couldn't, they're not going to put you up at the Four Seasons Hotel. <laughs> so you'd probably be in an army barracks quarantine somewhere. So so we had to make a call, and it was a tough call because we were doing great, and we were having a wonderful time, and the audiences were great. So we had to say – and nobody was canceling yet because everybody was wondering what was going to happen. A lot of bands were out there playing. Right. And if you cancel, you have the liability also of getting sued because they – sold tickets and they rented the venue and somebody sure. already spent a lot of money for you to get there. So, right. So we didn't know what to do. So we had to make a command decision at one point and said, okay, we're going to have to do it and just deal with the consequences because we can't take the chance any further. But as soon as we did, everybody canceled and all the other bands started cancel, cancel, cancel. Everybody came home and then all the venues found out that they couldn't have put the show on anyway because the governments had shut down any, uh, congregation of people more than a certain amount so uh Good. so no sadly, contractual the whole, issues then they, yeah there was no problem with that but we made sure with all the promoters and all the venues so it's an hour postponing we'll be back we'll reschedule we'll do anything we can because we want to play we always want to play sure that's why it's always puzzling to me it was you know somebody who you know sent an email how come you guys won't play detroit what's the problem with detroit and i go the problem with Detroit is Detroit. We don't choose where we play. You got to hire us. Right. You didn't hire us. That's why we're not there. You know, we don't, you know, if you're walking down the street, you choose the restaurant. The restaurant doesn't choose you. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we, we, we have a product that we, we sell, which is a show. And if you don't buy it, we can't come and bring it into your town. And a lot of people think we can just get on a tour bus and drive into a place and do a show. That stuff's booked six, eight, nine months a year in advance uh you know it's it's uh it's we don't just pop in that's why i hate movies about the music business because they they perpetuate 
these ridiculous stereotypes. You know, hey, I got an idea. What's the plane in Denver? I'll meet you at the airport. Okay. And show up. Right. The is there. Hold on a second. That took that took eight months of planning to pull it off. So <laughs> it's a, it, right. it drives us crazy. So we, we plan on uh, getting back to as much as, as we can, as soon as we can. But as you and everyone listening to this knows, we are at the mercy of the situation. So right. we'll do our best. And we know probably it's not likely anything more will happen in 2020 that's going to improve the situation for touring musicians. But hopefully 2021, maybe things will turn around. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. In the meantime, I've been doing a lot of recording, a lot of writing, playing my bass. And, and yeah, and speaking of recording, um, I was very excited to learn from um, one of your former guitar players and a good friend of mine, Mr. Mitch Perry, that uh, there's some new Talus music in the works. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We uh, we got together with a version two Talus. The sinker teeth of that version of Talus was one version. Those guys in about 1983 decided they didn't want to play anymore and left the band. And so I got uh, Mark Miller on drums, Mitch Perry on guitar, Phil Narrow singing. And we did what we referred to as a version two Talos, when in fact it's probably version 12. Because there were a lot, through the years, there were a lot of changes. I think on the album or online, I'm going to post a. Uh, family tree of everybody that was ever in the band and, and what happened, you know, every configuration there was. Right. Cause I, I, I was, somebody saying, yeah, my friend Tony played in the uh, Dallas. I go, there was never a guy named Tony in Dallas. Sorry. <laughs> so it'll, 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 uh, a lot of bar bets will finally be settled. Yeah, but right. yeah. Mitch, Mitch, Mitch came to tell us, uh, and brought two great songs in crystal clear and on the take. And right. the demo of those two songs was Randy Castillo on drums. Ralph Mormon on lead vocals, uh, who sang uh, Let the Music Do the Talk and with Joe Perry. Right. A uh, great singer. Uh, the bass player's name was Ron, I can't think of his last name, uh, and Mitch on guitar. And so we played those in Talos, in that version of Talos. And we were always a crowd favorite and always great. And Mitch, Mitch is a great player. So I thought, well, we're, as long as we're doing this, we got a different guitar player to, to do the lion's share of the tracks because Mitch is on the West coast. What we thought it, it, you know, worst case scenario, at least we can have him uh, do the tracks out there and send them in. And he did. And it sound great. So we're real excited that uh, on two of the tracks, it's a full original lineup. And uh, on the other ones, we did a lot of songs that later on a guy named uh, Johnny angel replaced Mitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately he's on the West coast. So he wasn't available. So we use the guy that we use on our re- first reunion show with this version of Talos, a guy from uh, Rochester named Kiri. And he uh, is a great player, uh, you know, huge fan of the band too. So uh, we did some shows. We actually, the reason we're only going to do one show mm-hmm. for, for a fire department uh, 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 fundraiser uh, or yeah, charity benefit thing. Yeah. And, uh, but it was so much fun and so many people came out. It was just a sea of smiling faces. We thought, well, let's do a few more. So we've done a few more since then. And it's been a lot of fun. So we thought, you know, there's nothing stopping doing a record. So we, uh, a dear friend of mine and business partner is with Metal Blade Records. And I said to him, what's the chance of you guys giving us a little deal there so we can do a record? He goes, good chance. So, uh, <laughs> good. so, so they gave us a deal, not a big deal. Pretty small. They upped it up later a little bit more to make it a little more easy for us to get, get things done during the uh, uh, pandemic nonsense. So uh, right. we got everything done. We're just about to finish the vocals and uh, put it together, do mixes, and we'll be ready to go. So hopefully... Uh, Towards the end of this year, there'll be a brand new Italis record. Oh, excellent, excellent. I am so looking forward to that because it wasn't too long ago that I finally took, because I only have Live Speed on Ice on vinyl, and I finally got it transferred and made digital files of it. So I've actually played a couple of tracks from it um, on the show, and it was so fun to to hear it again um, because I hadn't listened to the album in quite a while. And it reignited my love of the band back when I was a kid and first discovered the band. Um, Now, is Phil Narrow uh, singing then on this new material? Yeah, he he and Mark, the original members, of vocal syndromes and Mark Miller is as good as ever. And you recently, uh, Mike Portnoy posted a photo of himself and his first, very first rehearsal with dream theater. 
it was just him, the bass player and the guitar player. Mike is wearing a Talus shirt because he was nice. a huge fan. Nice. He's a huge fan of Talus and Mark Miller. Uh, uh, so uh, that was nice to see. Uh, uh, Ray Legere, the corn drummer, too. He lives here in Nashville. He's a dear friend of mine. I worked with him a lot, and he was a huge Mark Miller fan, too. And uh, so that was on drums. But uh, Phil's voice is as good as ever, hitting as high a notes as he ever did. Wow. And he's been busy for years doing all kinds of great vocal stuff. So it's uh, it's, it's it's pretty cool that, uh, you know, uh, you wait 30 years and get back together again. Sometimes. Some guys can't do what they did 30 years ago, but sure. these guys have proven pretty amazing. It's as good or better than, uh, than than it was back then. Pretty cool. That that is very cool. Uh, so <laughs> so there's going to be a um, couple of the songs from the past, and then some new material as well. No, it's going to be all songs from the past. It is going to be all from the past. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because we never really fully recorded properly uh, most of those songs, so we thought. Instead of trying to do like some updated version and new stuff and changing lyrics and rearranging the songs, well, let's do let's take a snapshot in time from 1985 and bring it up to present time and do it like that. And what I think I, I, a lot of people that were into the band look back in those years fondly. So I don't want to dismiss those years and what happened then and the music it was then. So we want to do a proper recording of the songs we had then. And uh, try to do the the spirit of what was going on in '85, because as you know, '85 there was a music explosion. There were bands everywhere, and the the whole world was about music and bands and playing. It was before the internet took off, before uh, uh, things started to get a little different uh, in in the music world. That things weren't as authentic as they were. Bands were for real, and uh, they were really singing and playing. So we want to do exactly that. Uh, that sounds great. I'm I'm really excited about that. Um, Wonderful. So one of your songs um, from those days, of course, that got really well known with when you were with David Lee Roth is Shy Boy. Are we getting a new version of that? No, uh, since that was so heavily done, we did it with uh, we did it in Dallas. We did it live on I think it was on Live Speed on Ice. It, it is. Yeah, it's on there. Yeah. Then we did it with uh, David Lee Roth, and then we did it on a couple of live Mr. Big records. And uh, I did it with Steve Vai again when I did some tours with him. So we thought, you know, I'm very happy that people like this song, but we've really, <laughs> we've uh, we beat that one to death. So we'll, we'll let that slide for now. But when we play live, we'll do it for sure. All right. How about Sink Your Teeth Into That? Another one that you wrote. Will that be on uh, here? Well, that was recorded. That was on a record. Yes, I know. I know. But since my, you're updating We do that stuff. live. We do that live for sure. But uh, we wanted to record songs like... Let me get over to my little list here. We've got songs like, I'm opening it up, uh, a song called Close to the Killer, which was, uh, there's a guy from Capitol Records that always loved that song, a song called Coming You Call, which we did live, Crystal Clear. Uh, Do you feel any better? Want to fill songs? Don't try and stop me tonight. A rocking, a whomping thing. I'll take the night, another super fast one. Love mm-hmm. with yourself, another one we did live. Intermounting flames, another wild ass thing. Lone rock, yep. another one we did live. On the take, and power to break away. Those are all uh, songs we did, and then there's a couple more coming. A few more surprises. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for running those down. I'm, I'm uh, definitely looking forward to that because you know today's recording sound is so different than what we had when that live speed on ice came out. So it'll be really yeah, great live- to hear. There was a live record, and we did it quickly. Uh, in other words, we just got in the band together, went out and recorded it. If I had to do over, I would have I would have liked to have done two more weeks of shows before we recorded that. But it was, uh, you know, it is what it was, and it was a nice yeah. snapshot of what, what what happened. But this year, I'm real pleased with it. We uh, we to, to record the drums. We all went to Mark Miller's house, which he built. I mean, from the dirt up, he built this house, a beautiful home, and he played on his drum kit. Which he built also. Wow. Roto Toms, he built the uh, the framing for them to hold them all together and bent the tubing and put it all together. And uh, it was a very organic uh, thing. Uh, the, the recording of that was pretty cool. And we laid all down all the tracks there in Rochester. And then uh, I just did my bass and uh, Mar- Mitch did his two tracks, sent them in, and uh, we're, we're going to assemble it all. And we're very excited about it. Yeah, as he should be, and as am I. That's awesome. 
Glad to hear. Well, that's good. So that's keeping you busy during this quarantine for sure. Absolutely. And I've got uh, a bunch of other records I'm working on. Uh, Singer-songwriter here named John Statham uh, here in uh, Nashville now. Originally, he was from upstate New York and then L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little different style than what I'm normally used to, a little laid back, but it's some great songs. Uh, a couple other uh, musicians from around the world have sent me tracks for me to play on. So I've been uh, very busy. And then uh, a bass and drum record with myself and Ray Lugier from Corn, which is going to be a wild ride. But uh, that- so there's a, there's lots going on. Yeah, I would say. And anything, um, any future plans for uh anything from the winery dogs because uh, i know that's been about Absolutely. five years since the last record i think the last studio yeah. record yeah we're talking about doing the uh we the whole plan this year was we were going to do sons of apollo while richie did his 50th birthday tour right and that extravaganza of an album that he put out <laughs> yeah 50 for 50 yep I remember speaking with him when he was at song number 38. He goes, I'm not sure if I can get another. But he really did do 50. And he said he didn't like pull old songs from, from old things and refurbish them. He did 50 songs. which is pretty amazing. That is He's amazing. a great writer. Yes. Great writer. So he was going to do that while we were touring with Sons of Apollo. We're all, and then Richie and Mike and I were going to get together at the end of this year to write a new winery dance records. So that's pretty much what we're going to end up still doing is getting together and doing a new record and getting it out there. Again, I'm not sure when we can tour, but right. uh, I love playing with the Winery Dogs, and I'm excited about doing another record. And we all, We've all talked about it extensively, so we've been planning that for quite a while. That'll be coming up soon. Excellent. Well, that that's exciting news, too. So maybe 2020 we get the Talus, 2021 maybe we get Winery Dogs, and maybe another Sons of Apollo, too. I'd love that. Yeah, the Sons of Apollo, it's a riot on stage. It's so it's some challenging music to say the least, and we have a blast. It's a, it's a. People have uh, taken to us very well too. We're very, very uh, grateful for the response we've gotten from people, uh, and the and the second record too. Both both records really, the second record really took off. So we're we're we're, we're, we're in good shape. It, that's interesting that to hear that it did take off because I was wondering since it came out in January and then all this nonsense started really big time in March. I wondered if that uh, hurt the record at all. So that's good to hear people still checked it out regardless of whether you're able to yeah. tour or not. Well, I'm sure we would have done much better if we could have continued on tour because the tour supports the record. But uh, the reviews we got and the initial response, initial bump in sales was very, very, uh, very encouraging. So uh, we're, 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 it'll all work out. Yeah, well, and I have to tell you, from that album, Goodbye Divinity, I just love that track. It's really a great song. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, that was in the set live. And we're glad now because we've got two albums behind us. We can do all of our songs uh, in the set. Right, right. All right, so we got Talos. we got Sons of Apollo. We've got Winery Dogs. Now, <laughs> Mr. Big, I know it's been a sad time for that band uh, with the yeah. loss of Pat Torpe. Um, probably no plans for that band anymore? No, but we're still in touch. Uh, who knows what could happen? We may end up doing something together, myself, Paul, and Eric, or maybe two of us, or maybe all three of us. Who knows? Uh, but we, you know, I we could have probably soldiered on and just gotten a uh, 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 Matt Starr was a great uh, drummer, worked with us. He worked with us while Pat was in the band, and Pat couldn't drum, right? So, so we ended up keeping him to finish off the gigs that were booked after Pat passed away and it, Matt did a great job and he's a wonderful guy, but it's just not the same with a different set of guys, you know, and we knew it. We probably could have gone on and made lots and lots and lots of money. Uh, if we, if we just replaced the drummer and kept on going, but we really didn't want to have it be like that, mm-hmm. especially in Pat's honor and in his memory. You know, we, uh, I know, uh, we're very, very fortunate, Mr. Big, to have had hit records right. and done well uh, uh, business-wise. So we were in a very fortunate position where we didn't have to continue playing in order to survive. You know, we're 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 all good. We're 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 okay. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, I would love to get back together because I know it would make a lot of people happy. We're fans of the band, but I didn't want to go out there and flog the band and those same logo and try to 
you know, pretend like nothing happened. Sure. You know, uh, you know, it was a very, very, it was a catastrophe for us, you know, and nobody saw it coming. It was, a, it was a rough situation. So, you know, we, uh, in Pat's honor, we were going to leave it alone for a while. And, uh, at some point, maybe we will get together and do something. Maybe it's just the three of us on stage singing, playing and telling stories or, or right. whatever else, you know? Uh, but, uh, we, uh, uh, we we want to, and I, I completely understand. I, I don't want to sound negative against people who've lost a band member and continued on. God bless them. Th- 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 that's what they got to do. That's what they got to do. And I, I support them 100%. Sure. I didn't want to make it sound like I, you know, that was a negative against them. You got to do what you got to do sometimes. And uh, everybody's different and everybody deals with the loss of someone in a different way. You know, we, we just, we just knew when we were out there with Matt, Matt was doing an amazing job. We're all getting along good, but we, we, it didn't sit right with us without that there. So right. got, you know, Matt is amazing and, and the band sounded really good too, but it was just not, it was just, we turn around and that wouldn't be there. It was just, it just wasn't right. So we're going to let it sit for a while. Yeah. And I understand that. And I, and I respect that. I think that's, uh, that speaks volumes to the character of the three of you that are still here. That's, that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Even though of course I too, am a huge Mr. Big fan and would be great to uh, see you guys again, I, you know, it's been a long time since the last time I saw you live, but um, but I get it, and I think that's a yeah. really yeah. I think most people do, and I'm, I thank you for your understanding. We thank everyone out there that understands the situation at hand, and uh, you know we we love our fans, and we love. I don't. I, I hate saying that they're our fans. I like to refer them as my friends. Right. That's what they feel like. You know, sure. after show, I always go out by the bus and hang out and talk. We got friends in Germany and Italy and France and England, right? Sweden and uh, Brazil and Ecuador and Argentina and the Philippines and Thailand and Australia. So we're very, very grateful for all of them. It's just amazing. So hopefully at some point we'll be able to get together and do something. Sure. I'm not sure what it would be, but to do something, especially because I would love to see them all again too. Sure. That'd be nice. Sure. And while you're mentioning about all these fans all over the world that Mr. Big has, I'm trying to remember now when, when, uh, to be with you hit, didn't that do like 31, was it like 31 countries or something that it went up to number one? Uh, I wish it was 14, 14. Okay. <laughs> I just seem to remember a lot, like it was a large number of, of countries where it yeah. hit, hit that big. Well, it would have been. It, it charted, and everywhere there was a chart, it charted. Mm-hmm. It was number one USA Billboard for three weeks, right? Which was really, uh, in hindsight, kind of, or in, in looking back on it, uh, it was kind of interesting because we were in competition with uh, Prince and Michael Jackson mm-hmm. at the time. Right. Had a single that was about to pop into the number one spot, and we jumped ahead of them and popped in. And that's why I would make a joke about it with my friends that said, uh, who wants to start my car for me? <laughs> because, you know, from Chicago, that's one way they used to do it. A guy go out and start his car and there'd be a bomb in there. And the end of it could have been, a, it was a mystery. Who are those Mr. Big guys jumping ahead of us on our number one single? So go out and uh, click, bang, what a hang. It was the end of that. But uh, it was a joke, of course, but nevertheless. You know, we were up against some really stiff competition, which gave credence to the to the power of the song and how well it did. And it's, it's solidly in there for well, it, uh, three it crossed weeks. over to so many uh, types of music listeners too. You know, addicted to that rush and things like that were more us hard rock type guys. But to be with you really fit a lot of categories for a lot of people. Yeah, we. I remember at shows we'd have fourteen-year-old uh, girls with braces. You know on their boyfriend's shoulders singing to be with you. And the guys out there with uh, Slayer shirts singing along also. Right. <laughs> exactly. was a, it, was a, it was a nice, nice to break down those walls because I was never one to put up walls between music. I love, I love heavy stuff. I have hard rock, heavy metal, but I also, Me I love to be with you. I love Sinatra. You know, I love uh, Joni Mitchell, you know, sure. but uh, all kinds of stuff. 
I'm from a different generation where we had a, a, a broader FM radio played all kinds of stuff. Exactly. You know, back when, when I first started from classical to, to you name it, you know, if it was great music, they played it where now things are a little bit more compartmentalized. So it was nice to see those walls break down a little bit. For sure. For sure. And, and to be with you, that was not the first single released, right? It was either green at sixties mind or daddy, brother, lover, little I boy. I think it was, was the third or even f- fourth single. Yeah. And I we were, so. we were on tour ready to come home to start another record. And we got a call that, Hey, guess what? Uh, Lincoln, Nebraska is playing to be with you and it's shooting up their charts. The next thing you know, it went to Omaha and then it went to Boston and then to Miami and started shooting around the country. And, we were ready to, we'd already toured our asses off behind that record. Yeah. And that's why at the end of that record, we were beat because we went, we did to go back and tour all those places all over again. Sure. Uh, so we were out on tour for a long time. We, we logged a lot of miles and it was, it was pretty grueling, but, uh, but a good kind of grueling. We, yeah. We could right. have been happier. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for refreshing my memory because I was still doing my radio show at that time when that, when that album came out. And I was thinking about it the other day, and I thought, you know what? I think if I remember at the radio station when the record label set sent um, first single, I keep thinking it was either Daddy Brother or uh, Green Tinted before uh, To Be With You was getting pushed as a single. But then I thought, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, you know, my memory has been a little while. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, I think Alive and Kicking was one. I think uh, Never Say Never was one. Mm-hmm. And I think Green Tinted was one, and nothing. They got no no response. Later on, people love those songs. Sure. And Green Tinted became a huge crowd favorite, but it was released as a single and, and went nowhere. But there's, as you know, you were in radio. There's a million reasons why a song starts to catch fire or doesn't, and it right. can be a great. That's why I get, you know some some uh respite to people who worry that they haven't had a hit you could have very well had a song or a record that could have been a hit but in it it's not necessarily the song there's a lot of things that go on behind so it you much. very well know from the from if you were in radio at all right that uh you know a, a label gets behind a song sometimes they don't sometimes it's a great song to make a, a a mediocre song and make it into a huge hit and uh you know it can, all kinds of things can happen in that respect so Right. You know, my, my other musician friends and people out there that are still songwriting and haven't had a hit take some comfort in knowing that you probably have written a hit. It just didn't happen. Exactly. So, you know, later on, you find out. It, it'd be interesting to get into some kind of a time machine and go back and look at some of the songs and approach them differently. Uh, the charts would have looked a lot different. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And today, I don't even know how you get ahead. I mean, to be with you could come out today brand new and maybe not even get added to radio like it did back then. You know, you never know. It's everything. I want to hold your hand by the Beatles could come back, come out today and go be ignored. So exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. You just don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It is. Things are different now, but in some ways they're very good. You mentioned to me uh, prior to our starting the show that you got a new piece of gear there that helps you do uh, interviews like this. Right. We got an amazing technology. I, I'm sitting here in my home studio. And it's a, a Mac Mini with a with a uh, display, right? And a couple hard drives attached to it, and it's the equivalent of studios that would have cost millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I can do more in this recording medium than you could have ever done back then. Yes, for sure. And some things that you could not have ever even conceived of doing, you can do easily now. So, so things have changed, but some things are for the better. Every everybody. On your laptop, everybody's got the equivalent of the best studio that there ever was. So, uh, you know, we the, it, it does even the playing field out a little bit in that respect. Yeah, no, you're right about that. You're right about that. Um, and, and the prices have come down on so much of this technology. You know, I have a uh, Shure SM7B mic. Um, thing I, I think I paid $400, you know, more recently. It's a newer version. But I swear, back in my radio days, we had, I think it was the original SM7, and I think it was like fifteen hundred dollars then yeah so i don't know yeah. how this has worked that the gear prices have gone down and gotten better um over the years so you're right technology is is been our friend i guess yeah some people resisted initially some the digital uh amp modeling sounds that yeah, i want to use the real thing 
Uh, but I, I've spoken to like four or five major heavy-duty pro producers who've done the scores of platinum records. They say they haven't put a microphone in front of an amp cabinet in years. They wow. just don't, you know, it's, it's all done digitally now. It sounds great. It sounds amazing. They, they, they got it down to quite a science now. So, you know, it's a, it's a funny world. You, you kind of roll with the changes. You can hang on to a lot of the, all of the old parts. I just bought a 1967 basement amp from a gentleman, a friend of mine in Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. with the original cabinet and the original speaker cord, just so I could have it because I, <laughs> I, I had one when I was a kid, so I have it again. Uh, it's just a, just kind of a more of a more as a monument than a than a piece of gear. That's pretty cool. And speaking of gear, you have your own Yamaha signature bass, the Attitude Limited, um, Limited yes. Three. Um, so, with having your own signature bass like that, do you have a large bass collection, or is it just all the Billy Sheehan bass? Uh, it's mostly that. There's a lot of them, but there's I have a bunch of others that are. Uh, that I'm quite fond of. I never was much of a collector as far as some esoteric or expensive or old base. Most of the bases I have are bases that I've actually used. They're my tools, the things I've used for various things. Mm-hmm. So they have wear marks on them. And, and I've got a couple of old vintage things. I've got an old Hoffner base that I bought just because Paul McCartney's amazing. Right. And I got an, I got an old, uh, Epiphone Rivoli bass, which is the kind that Paul Samuel Smith and the Yardbirds use, because I was a huge fan of his, and a couple of things like that. But mostly this utilitarian instruments that I have. I got a lot of them here now. They're all always out, and I'm, that's one thing I'm happy about our home in Nashville. I got a nice big man cave, and I got them all hanging on the wall. So nice. at any given moment, every instrument I have is at my is at my fingertips, which is really nice. So. uh uh, or before I had to keep a lot of stuff in storage in LA because it was our house just wasn't that big there. Right. Real estate is much more expensive in LA than it is here. Much. So, but more. I have everything out now, and it's uh, it's nice to have them all. My all my old uh, friends here surrounding me, and can pick them up and play them anytime I, I care to. But yeah, the Yamaha Attitude bases have been fantastic. Uh, they just did a 30 year anniversary version which uh, pays tribute to my original old P bass nice. that I did. Uh, if you saw me in Talos, that's the bass I played. Or on the Eat em and Smile tour, that's the bass I played. Right. And, uh, and that was the one you made some modifications to that one, though, didn't you? Yeah. I, I seem to yeah. remember reading something way back then that you, I, some maybe with the frets or something. I can't remember what I read anymore. but Just about everything. The only thing original left on it is the body and the ground wire. And so everything <laughs> okay. else is different. So we when we modeled the uh, attitude base after that instrument. So all the changes I made on that went into the attitude base, but done by Yamaha, done properly, as gotcha. opposed to using a, a screwdriver as a chisel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they did it the correct way. And so all the things that I did that my original base uh, are live in the attitude. So the 30-year anniversary attitude base, we made it look like the original old B base. We did it in a sunburst color, cool. and it's um, it looks just beautiful. So they're going to make 30 of them. They'll be announcing that pretty soon, and uh, that's going to be the uh, the little uh, honor paid to my original P base that was that started it all. That's cool. I like that. So you got the signature bass, and then did I see uh, you have your own strings too, right? Yeah, I've used Rotosound from the very beginning, and Rotosound did a special set for me, which is almost the same as their standard set, which is the one that John Entwistle, Jocko, Chris Squire, uh, Hendrix used Rotosound guitar strings, uh, all the best. Steve Harris used Rotosound, mm-hmm. Getty Lee used Rotosound, everybody does. And so they, they, they did a custom gauging. They made the sizes of two of the strings a little different for me, but still the, basically the same string as I played uh, back in the earliest days of the 70s. Mm-hmm. And all, all the Rush you hear, all the Kiss you hear, all the uh, King Crimson with John Wetton, uh, all the uh, uh, Lemmy, they were all Rotosound strings. Got it. Got it. So does the does this thirtieth anniversary when it comes out, is that gonna be strong with those strings? Of course. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome. Because yeah, I really yeah. like the um the one that has already been out, that shade of blue. I just love that shade of blue. Yeah, that was the version of, of the newer one that's kind of a lighter blue. That's the, yeah, the, so, the Sonic Blue, I think it's called. Yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful blue. Before that, uh, they were uh, green. 
And before that, there was a red and a dark blue. Yeah. So, yes. and now this new one, and there've been custom colors through the years too. And then I did a acrylic, red, clear acrylic one. You see through it, which is the winery dogs base. So it looks like nice. a, so the base is the color of wine, clear red. Right. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then just um, one other thing about your, you know, your playing, you've, you've, you've had the privilege to play with some great guitar players. I mean, Steve Vai, Mitch Perry, Paul from Mr. Big, of course, and Paul Gilbert. And when you're, and you always have been kind of known for being the lead guitar bass player kind of guy or playing the bass like a lead guitar. Is that what, what do you, is that what you're listening to? Is, are you listening to the guitarists when you're playing your parts or are you locking in with the drummer? What, what, I'm what? all about the drums. That's why I get away with playing a lot because I'm synced up with the drums. <laughs> Got it. Uh, I, I, I love guitar. I love guitar players. Uh, but, uh, Bass is all about the drums. Uh, the very first thing I learned about bass before I even owned one, mm-hmm. uh, I went over to uh, around the corner from my house. Was they're older guys and they had a band. And the guy, the bass player's name was Joe, and he was my hero. I, he's why I played bass. And I went over there was just a little kid, and they were practicing. And this was before the Beatles even. They were the Rock and Paramounts with the slick back, uh, broke cream hair. It was before the, the British invasion. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I went over there and. Uh, they wouldn't let me come in when they were practicing because I was just a pain in the ass little kid. So I was outside, sit outside in the driveway and listen. And my big brother and sister could go in because they were the cool kids, but I had to sit outside. <laughs> so one day I'm sitting out there listening and uh, Joe invites me in and, uh, and it's just him and the drummer. Right. And I go, Joe, what, what, where's the rest of the guys in the band? He goes, no, what we do, we practice. Uh, every time the drummer hits the bass drum, no, I got to play a bass note. Uh-huh. And so I thought, oh, I, that's how it works, huh? So before I even owned a bass, I learned the most important thing is that when a drum hits, a bass note plays. And that's the most important thing, and mostly the bass drum. And so uh, later on, as I grew up, that was my stable one piece of information that I always kept. So if you're locked in with the drummer, you can do a lot more. You can be a lot busier. And some of the busier players that were successful we're locked in with the drums mm-hmm. uh, and that's how they managed to get there. But, I, but uh, I do, you know, I, I, I came from a three piece band a lot too. And a lot of three piece bands have pr- bass players that are busier because you're going to make up for this. No organ, no keyboard, no rhythm guitar, no horn section, no strings, no nothing. It's just guitar, bass, drums. And generally you can be a little busier and right. get away with it. And then early on, I started doing solos but the, the solos, for a, a lot of people mistook that. It wasn't necessarily for me to show off. It was to give the other guys in the band a break because they would, we played constantly. Right. We played, we did 21 shows in a row once. We wow. did three full shows in one day one time. And even recently with the Winery Dogs, we did nine shows in a row. So doing a little bass solo gives everybody a chance to get off the stage, towel off, have a drink, come back, and, right. and go. So, uh, so it served a, a little more utilitarian purpose than being a, an ego thing or a solo thing. So it's fun to do the solos, and it's an interesting uh, 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 adventure for bass players. But uh, but generally, I'm about the drums, and I'm very lucky to play with great guitar players, but I've also played with Pat Torpion drums, amazing. Mike Portnoy, one of the greatest guys sure. around. Sure. Dennis Chambers, the greatest musician I know on any instrument. Greg mm-hmm. Bissonette, uh, mind-blowing, played with him and Edom and Smile. Right. Uh, Virgil Donati, I played with, with Steve Vai, and then Mark Miller from... Uh, from uh Dallas, just a great great player so yeah i uh i i look at it more i, I remember i got to get i jammed with kenny aronoff and he's a great, great another drummer. great played, drummer yeah. played with everybody and uh i'm standing next to him watching him in a little jam session we were doing and he and he looked over at me and goes oh i get it you're a drummer aren't you and i, <laughs> and I took that as a compliment because he because i was watching him like a hawk right and every move he made i made sure to get in between in, in, in between his ears and understand what he was thinking. And uh, so when I sit down and start to jam, when I go out to a club, whatever, the first thing I walk right over to the drum rise and I watch what this guy's doing. And that's who I lock in with. And so, and then, and then there's time for guitar later, but it's mostly about the drums. Got it. Okay, good. I, I wondered about that, you know, cause your, your playing style is so unique and, and I wondered, 
because you know a lot of guys I've known over my lifetime that it is the drums that they do lock in on. But every once in a while, I've heard a different take. Oh no, I kind of I kind of listen to what the guitar player is doing, or sometimes the vocalist, and I work around that. But I, I wasn't sure how you approached it, so that's good to know. Yeah, the drums are so fundamental. I know a lot of guitarists are the same way. Ed Van Allen, of course, is the grandmaster himself. Right. His brother is the drummer, and they played guitar and drums together so tight that I think it had a lot to do with the sound of Van Halen. And you bring Michael Anthony in, who's a rock-solid, amazing player, locking in with the two of them. The band was pretty devastating as a result because they were all locked in with the drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A nice, strong right. foundation, yeah. Right on. All right, very cool. Well, thanks for uh, sharing what you uh, what you do. So, sounds like Joe was your original, very first influence. <laughs> yeah, Joe yeah. Hesse. He's still a dear friend of mine. And uh, he was the guy I went out to see him play. I was a very young kid. And uh, he was just a great player on the Buffalo scene. His band was one of the top bands. Then we, then my band started coming up a little bit. And and uh, he he's still one of my dearest friends in the world. He's a wonderful guy. And he's, and he's a very short and a very small guy. And that's why people always uh, worry about the bases with big necks. Oh, my hand's too small. I go, no, the guy who started me playing. He's a short guy with small hands, and he, he plays a six-string bass, full-size, or a full-size Fender P bass all the time. So don't right. worry if your hands are too small. Well, that that's interesting to hear, too, because I have shorter fingers, and I always think I would not be a good bass player for that reason because I couldn't reach. No, and a couple of other guys I know that uh, were small stature, was small hands were great players because they're stronger, too. The shorter fingers tend to be a little stronger. And you really get a great tonality out of the out of the notes when you pluck them. So, yeah. So you can go to your nearest guitar center, get a cheap bass, and start. There you go. I, <laughs> I I'll take that advice, Billy. I'll take that advice. Right on. Well, listen. Um, I appreciate you taking time. I don't want to keep you too long. Um, I appreciate you coming and filling us in. I'm glad, first of all, that you've stayed COVID free. So I'm happy for you for that. Likewise, thank you. And to everyone listen, I wish everybody the best of health. Uh, I think we're going to be over this pretty soon, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's uh, starting to fade away. Yeah, I hope so. I, I, I hope so. Here in the Chicago area, we've been having a little bit of an uptick, so I'm a little concerned it'll, it'll about happen. that. You'll see, you'll see little upticks here and there, but I think I think we're over the worst of it. All right, I'm going with that. I like it. Uh, she so. said so. We're over the worst of it, folks. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much. We'll look forward to the new Talus record this year and uh, whatever else you can get out uh, in next year. <laughs> yes, sir. I'll do, I'll do my best to get as much out as I can. And again, if anybody listens to any of it, I appreciate it. You got it. All right, everybody. Billy Sheehan, thank you so much for joining Radio Bypass today. My pleasure. Take care. Run for glory, a sweeter song, but a taste of the blues. Look inside another world, everybody. Listen to the stories we could tell. Raise a glass of freedom, here and raise a little hell. You tell me your lies, and I'll tell you mine. Chatter, we brave the fires, always make it out of life. Tears drowned out by laughter, miles and years. It's the heart that really matters. Look inside another world, everybody, and listen to the stories we could tell. Things that you believe in. Tale. 
Tell me